Thank you for your welcome again. And uh, we share the good news. The Word became a human being and full of grace and truth lived among us. We saw his glory and the glory which he received as the Father's only Son. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom he is pleased. Let's worship together as we sing our first hymn or carol number you've got the number 189 as with gladness men of old did the guiding star behold so most gracious God may we evermore your glory see 189 we share together in prayer, let us all pray. As with gladness. Lord God, loving Heavenly Father, we would bring our gladness to you on this, the last Sunday of this year, to be bathed in the light of your glory. Gladness, perhaps, of happy memories of the Christmas season still passing. The people we've been with, places we've been to, gifts we've been able to receive and also to give. There is much gladness too. Through good memories of the past year, 
old and new things we have enjoyed, love we've shared, and gladness today that we are able to meet with your people in this, your place of worship, to offer our lives afresh to you through Jesus Christ. Father, we would also open to you any sadness which we might be carrying at this time from one year to the next. Disappointments and failures. People we separated from. Worries concerning the lives of ourselves or others. We offer all this to you as well, knowing through the experiences of Jesus that you care and you understand and you will carry us forward. So we offer you the worship of our lives at this time, committing ourselves and those we pray for into your loving arms for this time and indeed for all eternity. Through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who leads us together in worship and leads us in prayer as we say his prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Give us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. And is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. you've each one had a happy Merry Christmas and uh
In a way, it continues. This is the third day of Christmas. But Christmas Day is over. And uh, it's a long time to the next Christmas Day. And maybe we feel that some of the excitement has gone and we're a bit low. We're a bit like a balloon which has lost its puff. And then there's the, the clearing up to be done. And all the bits and pieces which have to be put back where they were. For instance, I've got here a family's leftovers from Christmas, all the wrappings and everything. Um, dare I tip it out for you? Um, <laughs> I promise if I do, I'll put it back or see that they are put back. There's one reason why I might do that, and that's that I know, and I'm going to tell you, that there is one package in here which has not yet been opened, a Christmas package. You might see it. Um, we might have to find it. So, let's do it. Have you seen it? Who's going to come and find it? It's not a competition, so don't, so don't sort of uh, uh, go roughly about it, but uh, see if you can find the package which is in there. Found it. Well done. Would you like to open it? It's, it's, uh, it's not a prize, or perhaps it's a prize for everybody. There's not much in there, but uh, there, there's something. Are you going to open it? For all of us? Or... What have we got? Oh, more sweets, more chocolates. <laughs> um, yes, something extra, and I hope the mums and dads won't mind a, a bit of extra um, going to their children. There isn't all that much. They're giant buttons. And um, I think oh, there's more than enough to, to go around the children, isn't there? Um, perhaps later on you, you could take these and you can share them out amongst yourselves and to, to anybody else you want to. Who's going to take it? No, I don't want to take it. No, I don't want to claim it. Right here. Fine. <clears throat> After Christmas, in a way it's the end, but we have to know that it's not the end. And there are more things to look for, and there are more things to find. Of course, we come into church and we remember especially the baby child who is at the heart of what we are doing. The baby, what's his name? Jesus, yes, we know that. And um, <clears throat> yet, when, when we think of the baby Jesus, that, of course, is not the end of the story. There are all sorts of other stories about Jesus when he grows up. And it's just the beginning, really. And it goes on and on. And we can be part of that story as well. And so, let's think at this time, yes, the baby Jesus, but let's see if we can search and we can find and we can share, that's important, sharing the goodness which we find in Jesus. And um, that will be good for all of us, the younger ones, and the older ones. And so we will do that. We will seek and we will find and we will share. So let's sing together again. And this time it takes us back to the baby Jesus. Number 174, see him lying on a bed of straw. 174.
Let us listen for the word of God. First of all, in Matthew chapter 2. After the Magi had left, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph and said, Herod will be looking for the child in order to kill him. So get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. And stay there until I tell you to leave. Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and left during the night for Egypt, where he stayed until Herod died. This was done to make what the Lord had said through the prophet come true. I called my son out of Egypt. When Herod realized that the visitors from the east had tricked him, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem Bethlehem and its neighborhood who were two years old and younger. This was done in accordance with what he had learned from the visitors about the time when the star had appeared. In this way, what the prophet Jeremiah had said came true. A sound is heard in Ramah, the sound of bitter weeping. Rachel is crying for her children. She refuses to be comforted, for they are dead. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go back to the land of Israel because those who tried to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother and went back to Israel. And then in Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, beginning at verse 22. For we know that up to the present time, all creation groans with pain, like the pain of childbirth. But it's not just creation alone which groans. We who have the Spirit, as the first of God's gifts, also groan within ourselves, as we wait for God to make us his children and set our whole being free. For it was by hope that we were saved. But if we see what we hope for, then that's not really hope. For which of us hopes for something we see? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also comes to help us, weak as we are. For we do not know how we ought to pray. The Spirit himself pleads with God for us, in groans that words cannot express. And God, who sees into our hearts, knows the thought of the Spirit, because the Spirit pleads with God on behalf of his people and in accordance with his will. We know that in all things God works for good for those who love him, for whom he has called according to his purpose. Those whom God has already chosen, he also set apart to become like his son, so that the son would be the eldest brother. And those whom God set apart, he called. And those he called, he put right with himself, and he shared his glory with them. Well, in view of all this, what can we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Certainly not God, who did not even keep back his own son, but offered him for us all. He gave us his son. Will he not also freely give us all things? Who will accuse God's chosen people? God himself declares they are not guilty. Who then will condemn them? Not Christ Jesus, who died, or rather who was raised to life and is at the right side of God, pleading with him for us. Who then can separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble do it? Or hardship, or persecution, or hunger? Or poverty, or danger, or death? 
as the scripture says, for your sake we are in danger of death at all times. We are treated like sheep who are going to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we have complete victory through him who loved us. For I am certain that nothing can separate us from his love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor other heavenly rulers or powers, neither the present or the future, neither the world above nor the world below. There is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Jesus Christ our Lord. Following on from what we've been thinking about already in this service, the remnants of Christmas, I wondered what the remnants were in terms of Bible readings. And I came to that one from Matthew, which we've heard. It's one which I can't remember ever preaching on myself And certainly I don't think it would fit naturally into um, a service of lessons and carols for Christmas. And it is a very dark story, something which we we, we try to forget about perhaps. And um, so I brought it out today. Um, the, the, the dark background, of course, which is something which we recognize also from today's world, the world of refugees, the world of despotic powers, and the death of children. And then there's the, the, the fleeing of the Holy Family into Egypt. The flight into Egypt, which does attract over the centuries and up to modern times um, painters and sculptors. And in their various works of art, you see the three main figures on their journey. And very often they're looking very weary and maybe looking a bit scared. Now of those three characters, Mary, who's been at the centre of all the Christmas stories really, is here, I think, pushed to the fringes. She isn't even mentioned by name. She's just referred to twice as the mother the mother 
And maybe in some families, the mother on whom much of the Christmas festivities have depended is relegated to the background, even into the kitchen. I'm sure it's not true in homes represented here. But let's give a loving thought to those in their families or alone who feel neglected at this time, relegated to the edges and not really in the midst of the joy of what is happening. But I think having said that, there's something deeper which we can get from looking at Mary as she flees into Egypt. Mary, who through her response to God's call, has already given her all. Mary, who has been through that time of embarrassing pregnancy, the wearying journey away from home, the pains of childbirth in difficult circumstances, and now needs surely to have peace and time with her newborn baby to recuperate. But Mary is suddenly called on again to make an effort to get on the donkey, which we imagine anyway, and to go on another journey to escape to a foreign land. I mentioned the donkey, which isn't, of course, in the actual story, but um, we might at some time think of this from the point of view of the donkey. I'm not doing that now. But for us, the journey of faith doesn't end with Christmas. In fact, as we've said already, it's just the start of our travelling with the Lord Jesus. And we need to move beyond the child in the manger onto the man on the cross and beyond that to the challenge of continuing discipleship. God wants our baby faith to grow and for us to take responsibility for that. Which leads us on to think about the the baby Jesus, or perhaps he was a little older by the time they they actually travelled. Jesus, who needs to be protected here, cosseted as a child, as a baby, must be. And yet, at the same time, he's the heart of our faith. That's what the incarnation is. God with us. Not to be destroyed in this horrible world. Not just as as a child, but thinking of our faith as well. The world itself is hostile, but there must be a way of continuing and of protecting our faith. In the story here, we'd want God to protect the other children, wouldn't we? Just as today, I suppose, in our prayers, we ask him to to stop the killings and the cruelties throughout the world. I can't answer that simply, and not now, but except to say that God in Christ is not an outsider to our suffering, but sharing it from the inside. That's what the incarnation is again. There's a divine purpose here in the saving of the baby Jesus. What would the world be like if he hadn't been saved? 
And then we've heard that great reading from Romans chapter 8. And the decisive answer is in there. God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. And so we're back on our journey from the cradle to the cross and beyond. But this Bible story is really Joseph's story. The last time he is really focused on in in any sort of story at all in the scriptures before he fades into the background. But how key is his role here? No doubt, after all the, the, the tensions which he'd been through, the personal decisions he's had to make, the journey from Nazareth, the drama of the birth, Joseph also was, was hoping to settle down to a normal, happy family life. But no, An angel comes to him in a dream, not for the first time, and says, get up, Joseph. There's more to be asked of you. There's an immediate escape to be made. And Joseph listens, takes up his responsibility, and obeys. I think of John Bunyan's Christian at the beginning of the Pilgrim's Progress, fleeing when he's warned from the city of destruction and going on that complicated journey to the celestial city. In a sense, that is our post-Christmas journey setting out yet again to go in the right direction and to flee from the, the dangers and destructions of this world. What do we take with us as people of faith? We must travel light as Joseph had to travel light and his family as well. Again, there's a bit of imagination in this, but surely they can't have taken the rich gifts with them which the the Magi had brought, the, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, with all their symbolism, all their weight as well to carry, and all their invitation to robbers on the way. Perhaps Jesus, um, perhaps Joseph did have um, his carpentry tools with him or the wherewithal to, to buy some more so that he could keep up with his trade and make way for his family in, in Egypt. Egypt with all the memories of Israel's slavery there and the exodus from Egypt, God's great work of salvation there at the beginning of the the story of faith. And um, Matthew can't help seeing that God's son is being disciplined in this and that um, the, the Old Testament heritage can be applied to Jesus himself. For such a story as this, I find it helpful to look for the background to the writings of William Barclay, here we are. You may know the commentaries of William Barclay as I've always known him all my life. But now that um, 
I'm involved with the Church of Scotland and, and with, with Scots. I, I don't know if you call him, but they call him Willie Barclay. And um, anyway, it's Dr. Barclay or Professor Barclay of, of um, Glasgow. And um, he, he writes on this as he writes on a lot of things. But th- this is quite helpful, I think. Often, throughout the troubled centuries, before Jesus came, when some peril and some tyranny and some persecution made life intolerable for the Jews, they sought refuge in Egypt. The result was that every city in Egypt had its colony of Jews. And in the city of Alexandria, there were actually more than a million Jews. And certain districts of the city were entirely handed over to them. Joseph, in his hour of peril, was doing what many a Jew had done before. And when Joseph and Mary reached Egypt, they would not find themselves altogether amid strangers, for in every town and city they would find Jews who had sought refuge there. So here we have it, refugees who are welcomed and given a place in their faith and in their life in in the, the land that they've gone to. Incidentally, Dr. Barclay, however we call him, tells them of of a legend which is quite attractive about this journey into Egypt when uh, the the Holy Family apparently went into a a cold cave to to shelter one night and um, there was a a spider there (laughs) and the spider wondered what he could do for the, the Christ child. And all he could do was spin a web over the, the front, the, the entrance to the cave. And it was very cold and the, 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 the web kept out the cold and the, the web got frost on it. And Herod's soldiers came along looking for the, the Christ child. And they looked at the, the front of this cave and they saw that there was a, a, a great spider's web there. And they, they thought, oh, nobody can have gone in there because of the spider's web. It's still unbroken. And so they moved on. And um, William Barclay, with a sort of twinkle in his eye, I suppose, says that um, that, that, that is uh, part of the background. It is a lovely story. And this much, at least, is true. But no gift which Jesus receives is ever forgotten. So then, what of us and what do we get from this story of the flight into Egypt? This post-Christmas story. We've thought of Mary and of special people who might be sidelined, although they are important for our lives and our faith, perhaps. We've thought of Jesus as a baby and our need to cherish him and give the opportunity for our baby faith to grow. God's Son, who identified with his own people, Israel, and went on to be revealed as the Saviour of the world, our Saviour, yours and mine, even from the cross. And from Joseph, we have had that reminder to be open to God's guidance as one year goes into another. 
however that guidance might come, to be obedient, whatever the cost, and to take up our responsibilities to God and to others. There's been a lot of glory in this service in one way or another. And uh, let's cover the whole thing with the glory of the love of God, which streams out and goes on from the Christmas story and impels us into another year to love God ourselves with all that we have and are, to love our neighbor and ourselves, and yes, to love ourselves because God loves us so much. He loves us so much that he gave his only son. And so let's sing about that love. 171. Love came down at Christmas. Love all lovely. Love divine. 171. In our prayers this morning, when I say the words, Lord, in your mercy, you're invited to respond, hear our prayer. So let us pray. We have been reminded this morning that no one is outside the bounds of God's loving care. So we bring our prayers for the world and for ourselves. Our Father God, we pray for all who, like Mary and Joseph, live under an oppressive regime and have had to make that terrible decision to take their children and flee to another country. We pray for those from Syria and Iraq who have seen their homes destroyed, their neighbours killed, their loved ones disappear, and are now subsisting in refugee camps. Especially we pray for the children who now have little or no access to education and are often the most traumatised by what they have lived through. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
We pray for the governments and the peoples of Lebanon, Jordan and Turkey. Overwhelmed by the sudden influx of refugees and the demands which they have placed on scarce resources of health, water, electricity and education. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those refugees who, driven by poverty and the lack of even the most basic services, are trying to get to Europe to rebuild their futures. We bring before you especially today those who are risking everything, including their very lives, on the Aegean Sea. Be with them in their long trek through the Balkans to what they hope will be a new and better life in Germany or the Netherlands or the UK. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And forgive us when we put boundaries around your presence and your love. When we use diversity to divide people, to demonize some and accord privileged status to others. When we seek to dominate or destroy those who are different from us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And show us all how to live and work with others, to receive diversity as a gift and not a threat, to move beyond tolerance of those who are different, to mutual respect and trust. Grant us the humility to share our faith and our story with others while listening to and valuing theirs. And teach us to put our trust in the power of good to overcome evil and the power of your love to overcome hatred. Until that day when there is peace on earth and goodwill to all people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
I should have said as part of uh, that story of the spider's web shining uh, at the entrance of the, the cave that um, that's supposed to be the, the origin of tinsel on the Christmas tree. <laughs> so may our gifts as slight as that they might be in some ways, be used by God and lit up and may his will be done to give beauty and excitement to the world. Our final hymn, 586. We have a story to tell to the nations that shall turn their hearts to the right. So we start off with the Christmas story again and we go on into the Christmas message for the new year. Five? Five, eight. Sorry. Yes, sorry, I'm reading the wrong one. 585. We have a gospel to proclaim. Good news for all throughout the earth. That's the one. Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us and all his people everywhere, this day, in the coming days and years, and forevermore. Amen.